The African bourgeoisie is the most corrupt bourgeoisie in the world. In Africa, they seek luxury in the midst of mass suffering. There are more Mercedes in Africa than in any other continent in the world. In America, as soon as they arrive at a position based on this blood of the people, they snatch that position and run away from the people. But you must not think that they represent the people. They only represent their opportunistic self using the people every step of the way. So you must not be confused. It must be clear then for the 60s, the class struggle in the African Revolution must be more ruthless and uncompromising than in any other revolution. Here then the masses must come without pity and without mercy to trample upon these reactionary pigs who after the people have gained struggle through their blood come to hand back the gains on a silver platter to the very enemy the people fought. This will come as a natural consequence. The people themselves are everywhere screaming that it's time for them to deal with these reactionary pigs. Even in America they say, our leaders must be held accountable. They're only saying here that these people must be accountable to those who made it possible for them to get there. Thus, not only is the revolution inevitable, but it is clarifying itself and it is qualifying itself. For the African masses everywhere, the clear poise position now for class struggle has become inevitable and irreversible. The petty bourgeoisie everywhere will be running for cover, but the masses will spare them not. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 1804. Uh, today, I've got a few things to discuss. Um, the arrestation of one of the all one of the oligarchs in Haiti, um, as well as potential um, international intervention in Haiti, and the assassination of a police academic director. Um, so let's get started. So um, published on November 26th, however, this happened on November 25th, um, a publication from Haiti, Le Nouveliste, the Arrestation à Jacques-Mel de l'Homme d'Affaires Joël Kali. So, who's Joël Kali? Um, Haitian businessman resides in Haiti, specifically Jacques-Mel, got arrested um, the night of the 25th of November on illegal gun charges. So, let me just get um, to the article right here. So, 23h50, vendredi 25 novembre, la justice haïtienne représentée par le juge de paix de Jacques Melfritz Palanquet, des agents de la BLTS, which those of you who don't know, the BLTS essentially is the Bureau of International Narcotics and Law. So it's just, um, it's Haiti's narcotics, um, counter narcotics unit. Um, de la DCPJ. So the DCPJ is Director Central, Direction Centrale de la Police Judiciaire. So it's just a detective unit of the Haitian National Police. And UDMO, which is the department unit for uh, monitoring order. So, um, so these four organizations essentially decided to um, arrest Joël Kali. Uh, Kali. So, le chef d'accusation retenu par la justice est possession d'armes illégales. Cette arrestation a eu lieu après six heures de perquisition. Oh, my bad, Jesus. De perquisition effectuée par la justice au domicile de Monsieur et Madame Kali avec pour motif de la recherche stupéfiant des armes et des armes illégales. La justice a perquisitionné la résidence de Kali, basically perquisitionné, they raided and searched his residence, sur les hauteurs du cap de Maréchaux à Jacmel après qu'un bateau chargé d'une énorme quantité de produits s'appartenant, s'appartenant à de la cocaïne. 
a été immobilisé sur les côtes de la commune de Marigot 18 heures avant cette perquisition. So basically, um, before they even went to his house, they only charged him. Um, they went to his house because they had stopped a boat um, near ter uh, near ter a shipping terminal um, where they contain um, products that the what the BLTS, DCPG, and Udmo believe was cocaine. And so, so there's a quote here. Nous n'avons pas trouvé de drogue, so they didn't find any drug, mais deux armes de guerre. So they didn't find any drugs, but they found two, um, two assault weapons, two assault, or assault rifles, you could say. Confie le juge Père Fritz par l'enquête. So, Monsieur Carla était amené à la base de BLTS au Kai dans le, dans le sud avant d'être transféré à Port-au-Prince par avion. So essentially, they brought him to the base at Le Kai. Um, in the south, and then they sent them to Port-au-Prince, the capital, um, on a plane. La famille Kali affirme n'avoir aucune nouvelle de ce dernier de, um, depuis son arrestation. Joël Kali est le fils de l'ancien maire de Jacques Mel. Feu Jacques, um, Jacques Kali est neveu du commerçant décédé Gérard Kali. So just to give you a background too in English, um, his dad was a former mayor, and his um, uncle, Gérard Kali, was a businessman I mean who actually got um back in 2002 he got shot at his own gas station um till this uh, this was yeah 2002 they haven't found the killers till this day um so just to give you background too on John Kali as the article is mentioning too he is um, although he looks uh if you if you are watching this on YouTube you can tell like he looks like a white man but he's been he's he's um culturally he's Haitian he's lived in Haiti his uh, most of his life This seems to be a picture. Looks like Quebec City. He was visiting. I see the chateau. Um, so yeah. So this is a good. And in terms of uh, for the, what this means for the Haitian people, not a big difference um, in their lives. However, this is a good thing long term because the more of these oligarchs getting sent to prison, the more the less of a chokehold Haiti is in. Um, because in a sense, most of these guys in Haiti do in terms of the way they conduct business. Most of their advantage is a monopoly. Um, and a lot of their money where they, they may say they get their money from um, just normal business practices. A lot of money, uh, what um, you can see, and even which I'll show you next on another charge he had in 1995. A lot of money may come from illegal arms selling or drugs as well. Um, just back in 1995, um, Joel Kali which I'll play a video. This, so this here, it's a, basically a repository um, for uh, repository for collections and archives. So any type of cases they may um, charge against someone, they may end up on this, on a repository, not specifically Duke University Library's repository, but you can, depending what case or um, um, what case or charges you're looking for against someone, if they went to court and it's been obviously documented, you, you, won't, you wouldn't have trouble finding it online. So this is from 1995, um, Joel Kali on charge of uh, trafficking cocaine, okay? And he would, then he was released in November 3rd. So basically, I'll play the video, because the, the audio, because the chargers are in um, Creole, but I'll give a description right now in English. So essentially, the public prosecutor from Jacques Mer did so this, just to give, again, a background, this is from October 31st, 1995. Um, public prosecutor from Jacques-Mel Danton-Léger discusses the seizure of 19 packages of cocaine on a boat owned by Joël Kali. Okay, 
similar to now, um, which similar to now how they arrested him, suspecting they couldn't because they once they arrested him, it was based on the boat had products that looked like cocaine because they didn't have any proof or anything like that. They can't just charge him that way. So they got him on the two gun charges because they found two illegal unregistered guns at his place. So this um some 10 people, including Carly, was were arrested. Several of those arrested were foreign nationals. On September 29th, Danton Léger described the designation of October as, as Justice Month in Jacmel. He described efforts to arrest people involved in the violence of the coup years and other repressions. He also discussed the problem of corruption within the justice system in the Sudest Department. Joel Carly has been released from prison. <laughs> so this... Um, yeah, give me one. Yeah, he's been He denies Danton Leger's accusation that he is involved in cocaine trafficking and that his release was unlawful. So clearly, he has a history of trafficking drugs into the country or um, facilitating moving the countries in and out of Haiti. Uh, sorry, facilitating the movement of cocaine in and out of Haiti. Um, he was released on November third. So let me just play the charges here, um, in Creole. Commissaire gouvernement dans Jacmel posé la patte 19 sachets cocaïne qui était à bord bateau Altagas Marine qui s'est propriété M. Joël Kaouli. Sous l'ordre commissaire et délégué sud-est M. Ronald Pierre, la police a arrêté 10 membres équipage bateau ensemble avec propriété à M. Joël Kaouli. 8 ans, M. Sayo, qui nationalité étranger. Commissaire gouvernement Jacmel l'a mis dans ton léger précisé la justice après le fait travail dans le cas sans parti pris. Il n'y a pas un chiffre exact. Mais mettre dans ton léger souligné 19 sachets cocaïne qui a coûté plusieurs milliers de dollars américains. 19 paquets euh, de cocaïne et non seulement nous saisis cocaïne, euh, nous arrêté euh, près de 10 nègres qui étaient à bord équipage là pendant tout que nous possédions l'arrestation de propriétaire bateau qui c'est M. Joël Kaoli. Nous simplement arrêté tout nègre qui directement impliqué euh, ou indirectement impliqué dans la question. Euh, nous arrêté et nous prenons remplir les formalités que la loi nous pour nous remplir. Nous avons fait saisir un cabinet d'instruction et tout ça nous pour nous faire. C'est la justice qui est capable de connaître qui n'est qui est condamné, qui n'est qui pas de condamné. Mais faire sérieux, c'est que nous arrêté tout nègre, tout nègre en bas et nous ne pouvons pas liberté provisoire. Bon. Euh, nous pas spécialistes en la matière, mais c'est 19 paquets de cocaïne. Et des spécialistes qui ont cocaïne, c'est des bagailles qui sont très forts. C'est des cocaïnes qui ont une certaine pureté. Donc ça veut dire que c'est des bagailles qui cherchent sérieusement. Plusieurs milliers de dollars. Ces idées que ça fait dans Jacmel, lundi 30 octobre passé, responsable de transporter 19 sachets cocaïne dans le local commissaire police nationale là, dans Port-au-Prince. Nous souligné collaboration police nationale avec Minua pour arriver à faire arrestation Sao dans Jacmel. Oui, c'est exact. C'est à l'aide de M. Luc François, de la DIA et de la CICC que je joue une liberté. Je peux estimer que la libération ça il est So basically he's saying um, he got the help of the D... Allegedly, Joel Carley is saying this, that he got the help of the DEA for his release. Now, there's no detail of that relationship between him and the DEA. So I don't want to allude to anything, but he just said on this 
recording that the DEA helped facilitate his um, release. Qui est-ce qui dit que l'île est dans ton léger? Bon, mettre dans ton léger, pas qu'à dire que l'île est légal parce que sous bagaille qui fait libre, mais qu'il y a une lettre que monsieur dit avec CICC signé pour moi. Donc, je ne sais pas que The DEA, as well as another organization, CSCC, however, I'm not familiar with it. Que l'île est légal. Je ne sais pas dans ton léger, c'est légal. Yo joint monsieur qui bail drogue là. Monsieur met drogue là, yo joint ni, yo met elle dans prison, yo fait fermer ni. c'est qui est lié Monsieur OC Amaya. Ou dis nous c'est 30 paquets de cocaïne que nous te joindre à Boa. Exactement 30 paquets que monsieur dans ton léger avec toutes délégué Ronald Pierre te prend à bord bateau. Et la porte au prince c'était fait nous connait que c'est 19 paquets ça. Pardon Bon, entre moi avec vous, que vous avez 19, vous mettez très bientôt tout, vous avez que c'est 15 ou bien 12, parce que jusqu'à présent, ni M. Dieu, ni M. Nakotikio, pourquoi je ne vous parce que même c'est l'ambassade américaine que je exactement. Quand vous là, je suis avec M. Rousseau, chef Dieu, que je devant là, que je parle, que je dis que pourquoi je ne vous dis pas. Jusqu'à présent. Jusqu'à présent. Yeah, so, dang it, this is from 1995. Um, he was accused on drug trafficking and he was released a little less than a week after. Um, so, now, for his release now, so he's still detained in Port-au-Prince. Now, will he face serious trials um, and actually stay in prison long term? I honestly, I doubt it. The way the justice system justice system is in Haiti, um, even that there's numerous examples, but obviously the most blatant, obvious example is the assassination of Jovenel Moïse. Like you, if you looked at the progression of the investigation out of a hundred percent, what I believe it'd be maybe like at six, seven percent. Like to be fair, too, a lot of um, people that were assigned the case got their life threatened as well but just that's just even to show you how the justice it's not gonna happen um <coughs> sorry itself a lot of people got threatened and even cases that do get have movements usually the um, proof gets obstructed i'm sorry proof and evidence gets obstructed um people assigned to case get threatened and even then when there is a bit of movement um they don't really face any real charge um real consequences so We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with Joe Kali. This is a good thing still that he is arrested because a lot of these people, and this was mentioned by a few, um, I want to say um, a few former politicians, but essentially, no, actually it was a, um, from a local radio host down in Haiti. He was actually mentioning the fact that a lot of these um, alleged oligarchs live outside the country. So even to try and bring justice to them, the only like same thing Canada, US tried to do um, you can sanction them, but really now trying to get them, especially when they're not in Haiti, is very, very hard because they can still do damage and still kind of um, conduct their their business as as usual outside the country. So the only way to really hurt them would be through sanctions. Well, this is a good thing. They got Joy Kali in Haiti and actually have possession of him. So I believe that's more effective itself than any type of sanctions you can put. Um, it's funny because even uh, back in 2011, there was a puff piece 
written by the Globe and Mail in Canada, um, where I reside right now. Um, this is from 2011. And when I mean by puff piece, I mean like uh, any any type of article to make someone look good um, to the to to the masses. Similar to what you see if you've been following the um, the FTX bankruptcy. Um, um, which, um, Sam Bankman Freed was responsible, respond, basically he's the, he was a CEO. So responsibility falls on him. But once that happened, you saw a lot of New York times articles, a lot of mainstream media gave him a, a lot of puff piece showing him how he's not basically, um, disregarding the fact that he stole people's money and making it seem like it was not his fault. And he's trying to do good for people. So this is one of these puff pieces here. I'll start reading it for you because some things are interesting. I'll skip a bit from the intro there and get to the core stuff. But the article says, The most prosperous businessman in Jacques Mer. Mr. Carly built his empire by delivering necessities here. Gas, truck, water, construction materials, motorcycles, and currency exchange, as well as cocaine. No, I'm kidding. It doesn't say that on the article if you're listening. However, though, um, obviously... If I'm if I were to guess, he was obviously in the business of dealing cocaine too. The services he provided literally powered the Canadian military effort here the days after the earthquake. His philanthropy enabled the school to reopen and teachers to take home pay once the institution's coffers had run dry. Before an epic earthquake, and even more so now, Jacques Mel not fun um, could not function without him. That everyone knows this is. This is invinced by the way they fawn over him in the streets or scuttle to get out of his way. So I think I want to make sure here. This is where stuff gets good here. Wait a sec. Despite his bordering business, he doesn't expect a pile of job applications. His Haitian brethren, he says, are too passive to risk competing with him. Too vengeful towards his success to work along him. I'm preferring instead to work on sullying his name. Could be lies, could be truth, who knows. The biggest handicap of the Haitians is they, that they hate each other. That's another topic for another day, but he's not... That's that's a half-truth. That's I'm not denying that. They hate people with money. They make up ridiculous lies about me. So, if I was drunk in the street, they would love me. Okay. So, this is where he gets stupid, because he's lying with his full chest somewhere. Here, let me see. Oh, yeah, but this is something I want to highlight here. So, besides operating Jacques Mel's only gas station, he is Chevron's sole distributor of fuel in Haiti. Um, so, this is from 2011. And by distributor, so, you can have, you obviously, you own your gas pump, but obviously, you need the fuel to provide the gas. And at least from 2011, it seemed that he had a monopoly in terms of the distribution of fuel in Haiti. So you can rack a lot of money that way once you have a monopoly over one of the core resources that Haitians use for literally anything. We're talking about um, powering up hospitals, generators, um, motorcycles, obviously your car, um, air conditioning, etc. Though they use the fuel, it's, a, it's all basically a necessity like most places in the world. And he had a monopoly. Seems like he had a monopoly on that as of 2011. So this is what's funny here. 
Mr. Carly likes the jet ski in the bay to let off steam. The roar of its motor makes him stand out amidst a sea of clunky wooden fishing boats. His best friend is an American-bred Rottweiler that acts like a puppy when he calls it, but is quick to um, growl at anyone it deems a potential threat. So these types of I'm sure, like these types of article, they just they're just really made to make someone like it's a story, but it's really kind of to prop up someone, make him look good, too, you know. Um, so all of that plus the family's insular tendencies feed a ravenous rumor mill in this town. Here, speculating on the dubious sources of others others' riches is a popular pastime. Mister Carley himself raised the fact that people whisper he's into drug trafficking. Like, come on. He scoffs at the allegation. He's too smart of a businessman to risk it all by doing something as stupid as dealing drugs. But yet, Mr. Carley has, was accused in 1995. And now he got arrested now, November 25th, not on drug charges, but however, a boat associated to him had products that looked like cocaine, allegedly. So... When you have a name, the government is watching always, he said. Without prompting, he also spells out a fork. Fork believed that because he owns fuel outlets, he is somehow responsible for and profits from Haitians' persistent gas shortages. This is a known fact that people that have gas pumps, that own gas pumps in Haiti, profit from these gas shortages. And even now, um, today, um, at least that was what was happening earlier during the year, um, people... like. What would happen is that gangs, with the help of other people too, at night would take gas from the gas pumps, sell it at a higher price too. Or what would the oligarchs do is sell their gas at a higher price on the black market itself. So um, this is a lie. They definitely, if you definitely in a fuel business in Haiti, you definitely benefit from any type of gas shortages too. Um, it's, a, it's a basic necessity. So if you have it, whatever price is, someone is going to, you're going to find a market for your gas because somebody's going to need to buy it to, to function, right? Um, so yeah, this is crazy. We'll see how, if um, he'll actually be detained and stay in jail. I hope he does, honestly. Like a lot, this is a lot oligarchs really like, I don't mind, um, it's not a thing. You can make money, like you can have a monopoly in terms of like, not monopoly, but say, but you can be a very strong businessman where it looks like you have a monopoly. But once you start affecting lives of other people around you, then I lose all respect, to be honest. Um, but I'm not against any like any type of business or you trying to make money for yourselves. Because at the end of the day, you have to, you're supposed to take care of yourself and your family. That's what I fully believe. So we'll see how that goes. Next, I want to touch up quickly is on this is a New York Times article that came out today, today as of November 29th, 2022, titled As Haiti Unravels, U.S. Officials Push to Send in Armed Foreign Force. Um, so let me start the article here. Then again, for those that are um, just um, listening, I mean, I skipped a bit of the article here, but I want to touch on a few points. So let me read this. Now, fearing that the humanitarian crisis engulfing Haiti could spur mass migration to the United States and elsewhere, some top Biden administration officials are pushing to send multinational armed forces to the country. So by multinational armed forces means it's not just one entity. It's not would be the U.S. It'd be maybe potentially U.S. and the U.N., um, CARICOM, which I'll get to why I mentioned um, 
CARICOM, but the Caribbean countries and the UN, but essentially it wouldn't be one just um, entity, entity, I should say. Several current and former officials say after the Haitian government made an appeal for such an intervention last month. But the United States does not want its own troop included in, in that force, even though officials fear that the turmoil in Haiti will send an even bigger wave of migrants to American shores. So the U.S. doesn't want to send, tr uh, send troops to Haiti, allegedly. But... So they don't want to send troops. However, though, um, Blinken had come to... He went up to Ottawa to meet with a minister, Manny Jolie, and they essentially were trying to push um, Canada to take the lead on a potential intervention. And then what Canada did even then... They tried to get the Caribbean countries, including some few, a few countries in Latin America, mainly uh, Brazil, to maybe try and lead the intervention. Um, two ways I can see why, obviously, um, U.S. doesn't want to like it. And it's also mentioned in the New York Times article, but the U.S. wouldn't want to risk losing soldiers in Haiti. Um, ta U.S. taxpayers like for, for this to happen, you'd have to manufacture consent, which has been kind of hard to do right now because U.S. taxpayers don't see the reason why um, they should send they, um, U.S. troops should be in Haiti. And even then the risk of um, them dying and even like in resources in Haiti, they don't see a lot of people don't see that it's worth it. On Canada's side, it's the same thing. Why risk sending Canadian troops down to Haiti that can get potentially killed by gangs? And even then on a PR level standpoint for both these organizations, um, well, these countries, not Canada, but the U.S. has a like occupied Haiti from 1915 to 1934, stole Haiti's gold reserve with the under the guise of they're holding it for safekeeping. So there's a lot of history background right um, um, at the um, from the past. So it may not look good in today's world in the sense that like I can't imagine the uproar of seeing armed Canadians or Americans killing, although they're gangs, like the, they're Haitian gangs, but the, how do you call it? The optics would be, would be terrible on TV. If you saw American Canadian nationals killing Haitians at the end, because those gang, I didn't, there are gangs, but they're Haitian. So, um, it would look bad in that sense. So I'll continue here and read this here. Already, the number of Haitian migrants intercepted by the U.S. Coast Guard has increased more than fourfold since last year, with many setting sail in overcrowded boats known to capsize in rough waters. That has always been the U.S. government's biggest Haitian nightmare, a mass migration event, said Daniel Foote, who served as a U.S. special envoy to Haiti for the past part of last year. It's already upon us, he said. The next step become biblical, with people falling off anything that can float. We aren't that far away from that. So Haiti's government took the, to the extreme step for requesting formed armed intervention last month to curb the unrest, submit, subsuming the nation. So this is why I can't take seriously. Haiti's government took extreme step for requesting foreign armed intervention. Haiti's government, like if you take Ariel Henry, all the senators or his ministers involved, they're all doing some corrupt shit in the sense that they're either in drug trafficking, they're closing their eye to other um, they're closing their a blind eye to other things that are going on that they know that's going on um, when what's holding the country in its position now. 
yet they're the ones asking for military invention for a mess that they're not even trying to clean up themselves, which makes no sense to me. So with that, like, with and just that, like, we can talk about um, countries meddling in foreign affairs and other people's affairs, but once you invite them in, like, who, what do you expect, right? Like, a lot of people come in the Haitian diaspora, like, oh, like, um, U.S. is always meddling, which is true. But if you leave the door open, what what do you expect? Like at some point you gotta say no. Like we want to do this our way, and we'll clean up um, clean up themselves. Now, do they have the capacity to clean um, to do this themselves? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. But it's the fact is they haven't even put a plan in place. Like Ariel Henry got was was a de facto leader um, by the middle of July, twenty twenty one. I have not seen any type of plan. It's been a year and a half now any type of plan in terms of trying to trying to fix the country or trying to at least resolve the issues with gangs why because a lot of these politicians these ministers and these businessmen finance these gangs too which is why there were sanctions on a few other uh, politicians like joseph lambert yuri la tortue martelly and lamotte as well but they're directly involved in this issue too so so now the Biden administration is countering resistance to rallying a multinational force, including from American military leaders who do not want to be drawn into a mission that will require a significant amount of time and resources, the U.S. officials say. A U.S.-backed resolution urging deployment of a rapid action force to Haiti has stalled in the U.N. Secretary Council, but the administration has continued to lobby allies to make boots on the ground a reality. Still, administration officials say that the force should not include U.S. troops, arguing that Haiti remains scarred by, exactly, scarred by um, American long history of a messy and sometimes brutal intervention in a country, including occupation that lasted almost two decades. So they're referring to the occupation between um, 1915 and 1934 of Haiti itself. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, in terms of a potential... Um, intervention honestly i don't i can't see um i can't see american boots on the ground i highly doubt that's gonna happen i do see a potential situation that maybe um the un goes back into haiti which like you can there's two sides of this right i'm someone that i don't live in haiti so i, I can't in terms of like the everyday experience of the people that are affected by these gangs i can't speak on it but what I do know is that a lot of them are in favor of an intervention because when you outweigh the pros and cons, well, yeah, if you bring it, you bring a, you, they know the history, you bring a foreign power in, they can definitely help out with the gangs. Um, however, they can definitely help out with the, sorry, they can definitely help out with the gangs. However, there's still that background in history saying um, and potential other problems they can cause. For example, when the UN came to Haiti, they caused cholera. And raped um, Haitian women as well. Um, when the U.S. came to Haiti, they killed for fun um, in poor in in poor neighborhoods as well, and even took advantage of uh, brought the gold down. So the Haitian gold, our dollar, brought it down and pegged our dollar to their U.S. dollar itself, which means our. But at the time, which was a well, you can debate it. At the time, for a brief point, it was a good it was a good thing, but long term, it was really not a good thing having our dollar pegged which is why it was removed, I think, once a baby doc got into power. But leading back, going back to the intervention, 
people that are getting affected by the gang violence, um, it seems like they are in favor of intervention, which I, I don't see why not in a sense that like for them, they're looking at it. Well, every day I can't even live my life to the fullest. Um, if I, um, this is the best way that I can go back to my normal life. If there is an invention, I totally see it that way. Um, someone living outside of Haiti, um, obviously it's my selfish reason. I'd rather not see them come in, um, knowing the history, um, knowing, um, what's happened in the past, but I can't say that knowing that, um, there's people that I'm um, down to Haiti that would actually benefit from any sort of intervention to bring down these gangs. Um, for them so there's definitely a lot um there's there's some pros and cons but i think it depends where um like like a lot of things really what your situation is really so we'll see how it goes i think if anything if there is an invention it'd be like like the article is um is alluding to a multinational multinational intervention where i don't think it's going to be one entity or one uh country per se um it'd be maybe a mix of caribbean countries and the un or uh, maybe Canada in the UN, but maybe less likely Canada simply because of the fact they passed the buck to um, the Caribbean countries to try and intervene. Whereas Brazil said they're not in interested. And I'd have to check the other Caribbean country, but the president of this other Caribbean country actually said that since he does not recognize Ariel Henry as the president, he will not get involved in this as well. So... We'll see how what happens or what unfolds. Next thing I want to focus on is um, director of the Haitian Police Academy was killed in an armed attack, unfortunately. Um, so this happened on November 26th. I'll read the article here for you. And first reported, sorry, actually, uh, as if, if you're watching this, um, it was actually first reported by Luxon Saint-Ville, a, a Haitian journalist, but he's um, in the States. Um, he had tweeted it uh, as news first. Um, so the director of Haiti's National Police Academy, Rigo Harrington, was shot dead outside a police training center in a gang-controlled neighborhood in Port-au-Prince, the country's capital, Haitian police said. The spokesperson of the Haitian National Police, Gary Dorier, confirmed the murder, assuring that Harrington was sh shot several times inside an official vehicle as he was about to enter the academy. After the crime, the attackers fled in the police car in which the commissioner was traveling. That's sad. Harrington was killed by two large caliber bullets to the head, according to the findings of Pétionville Commune Justice of Peace, called Enos Louis. A member of the seventh class of the police force, Devenil Commissioner Rigo Harrington joined the Haitian National Police in 1995. He directed the Haitian National Police Academy a body of the tr that trained middle and senior police officers. Divisional Commissioner Rigo Harrington was killed in the same area as Kwade Bouquet, Police Commissioner Evanago back killed um, in an ambush by armed bandits on October 18 in Tabaré in the Eddy one area. For a couple of years now, many citizens reside in Tabaré, Torcel, and Pernier, among others, have abandoned their homes due to the prevailing insecurity. Harrington's lost his life in an area controlled by gang leader Vitalom Innocent, the target of a U.S. State Department wanted po poster for his involvement in the kidnapping of 16 U.S. missionaries in 2021. So this is sad. Uh, Director Hitch National Police killed. Um, 
it doesn't seem like he there was just um a gang war going on and he just caught a stray bullet. To me personally, this seems targeted. Um, targeted similar to if you guys saw that Eric Jean Baptiste, this was maybe a month ago now. Same thing. He was going up to his place. He had a security. By the way, let me give background. Hey, Eric Jean Baptiste, a Haitian businessman. Um, but even him, he got killed. He got killed by a gang as well, which to me looked targeted as well. So there's no other development on the story other than he's dead. The suspects flee, really. So most times, then again, this goes back to the situation in Haiti. Most times when these killings happen, they don't get solved. Um, so we'll see where that goes, honestly. But this is sad because he served since 1995. So seems like he's had a definitely an effect on the Haitian National Police and their training too so rest in peace my condolences go him to, uh go to him and his uh his family as well and i'm leading to that just to show that um um with the gang violence um this is for those listening um it's a i'm on the website for the global initiative against transnational organized crime and this is from October 17th, um, the title, The growth of gang violence in Haiti has been a, politic, uh, been a major concern in recent years. Years of political dysfunction in the Caribbean countries have combined with deteriorating economic conditions, the COVID-19 pandemic and natural disasters to create a weakening of state power. They kind of boosted with the COVID-19 pandemic because in there's a lot of numbers showing it was there was literally... Compared to the numbers of most G7, I'd say the Western world, uh, G7, G20 countries, um, Haitians really didn't um, take a big hit off um, from COVID-19 um, to create a reaping state power. Under these conditions, gangs have multiplied, joined forces, and asserted authority in increasing destructive manner. So there's a graph here. Um, this is, uh, those you can see on YouTube, um, this is a map of essentially a Port-au-Prince, um, the area. So you have Carrefour, Port-au-Prince, Pétionville, Tabaré, and Delmas. And it's showing as of October 17th, at least, where the big um, gangs control parts of the city. And you see near Quade Bouquet, there's a big, um, there's a big area that they control around that area, which is where the commissioner and the recent um, Haitian National Police um was killed, which is also near the location where the academy um, resides as well. It's in Quai de Bouquet. Um, so you can see a lot where the gangs were, obviously, Cité Soleil, um, saint Segon, Nazi Bois. So a lot of these, some of them are the alliance of the G9 um, gang. You have the Katsama Ozo here. And what was more telling for me, honestly, was um, the Pessonville area has no... Um, uh, there's been kidnappings there, I'm not saying, um, in Pétionville, um, but there's no gangs really stationed there. Um, but then again, you could say, why is that? Well, a lot of the, that's like the nice place in, in Haiti. A lot of the, like the night, um, uh, businesses, the suburbs, nice houses, um, diplomats, uh, businessmen, they all reside there too. That could be a reason as to why, but I was really surprised to see that um, the Pétionville is really, if you look at all the neighborhoods, like, Pétionville is the only one where it's not, at least according to the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime, it's not occupied by any gangs. So, interesting.
Well, all right, guys, that's it for me. Um, thanks for tuning in. Um, please follow me if you can on, uh, well, subscribe to my channel, The1804, as well as uh, follow me on Twitter at The1804Official. I just tweet out really content, not necessarily really to Haiti, but any type of politics, geopolitics, or conflict going out in the world on the international stage. You can find it on that Twitter page, and you'll know when I drop the more recent podcast slash YouTube video out. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a great day. Take care.